the conservative movement in America is tearing itself apart, which is just such a bad idea. Uh, as New York Times reports, two Fox News contributors have quit in protest at Tucker Carlson's uh, special on the January 6th riots, I suppose we must call them. Um, Jonah Goldberg and Stephen Hayes, which the New York Times characterizes as being stars of a brand of conservatism that has fallen out of fashion, have decided that they've had enough. Um, the Times reports that the trade of Tucker Carlson special about the January 6th mob at the Capitol landed online on October 27th, and that night Jonah Goldberg sent a text to his business partner Stephen Hayes saying, I'm tempted to just quit Fox over this. I'm game, Mr. Hayes replied, totally outrageous. It will lead to violence. Not sure how we can stay. The full special, Patriot Purge, appeared on Fox's online subscription streaming service uh, days later, and last week the two men, both paid Fox News contributors, finalised their resignations from the networks. In some ways, the Times reports their departure should not be surprising. It's simply part of the new rights mopping up operation in the corners of conservative institutions that still house pockets of resistance to Donald J. Trump's control of the Republican Party. Mr. Goldberg, a former National Review writer, and Mr. Hayes, a former Weekly Standard writer, were stars of the pre-Trump conservative movement. They clearly staked out their positions in 2019 when they founded The Dispatch, an online publication that they described as a place that thoughtful readers can come for conservative fact-based news and commentary. And he now has nearly 30,000 paying subscribers. And I began by saying this is a terrible idea. It is a terrible idea. And the fact that this is being celebrated by some corners of the right is likewise a bad thing. You don't win power by fracturing your base. If you're spending more time arguing with each other than you are spending arguing with your political opponents, if the threat of the woke left is as great as most of these guys will say it is, no matter whether they're pro-Trump or anti-Trump, most of them will say that the woke left represents a real threat, the encroachment of China into global institutions, and including American institutions, is likewise a severe threat. If these are the things on which you are agreed, broad, big issue areas, things which are defining of American life and of American politics, and which will shape the future of the America, not only of America, uh, but of the world as well, to set about each other fighting internecine warfare and dissolving into factions which spend all their time arguing against each other and comparatively little time arguing against the, their shared opponents, you will not win power. This is what the left does. Monty Python, if you've all, you should all have seen The uh, Life of Brian and the famous skit with the People's Front of Judea versus the Judean People's Front, that was a skit against the left of its day. The left was always the one that, because of reasons of moral purity, uh, would fall about squabbling and an internecine warfare and, and having massive disagreements over what are, in fact, relatively small differences. This was what the left did, and it's what kept the left out of power for a very long time. The other side of that is that the conservative movement in America, which really sort of began in its modern form in the 1960s and the, United, and the 1970s, was under the mantle of fusionism. It was a doctrine dreamt up at National Review by one of the editors there and propagated by William Buckley and then adopted as a governing philosophy by Ronald Reagan. So at the same time as you had the left splintering and fighting against each other, as is their habit and their want and their fashion, you had the conservative movement saying, OK, some of us are traditionalist conservatives, some of us are right-leaning economic liberals, libertarians, the true heirs, incidentally, to the Republican Party, which actually broke from the Whigs as a liberal party, economically liberal, which we now, for reasons of American grammar, have to call... Uh, libertarian. Um, we can put these two sides together, we can fuse them together and stand against the left because there are issues facing us, the threat of the Soviet Union, the threat of global communism, which are more important than whatever divides us. 
And this combination of factors, the, the fusionism within American conservative traditions and classically liberal traditions, and the splintering of the left ensured that the likes of Ronald Reagan t- could take power and led to you know, the longest and, and happiest period of, of modern governance in conservative terms uh, in modern American history. But no more, because for some reason, the right is now doing what the left used to do. And the right is obsessed with itself. And the right is arguing always against itself. And it cannot put minor differences, what should be minor differences anyway, to bed. This doesn't come from just one direction. It's not just the Trumpists who are doing this and the anti-Trumpers are the uh, put-upon innocent victims. I mean, uh, Jonah Goldberg and and his partner did choose to quit. There is an element of both sides in this divide are stoking the divide further. They are refusing to talk to each other. But this is not the way you win power. And if, again, if you think that the modern issues facing America are as grave as you both say they are, then put aside your differences and come together because the world is already giving you examples of what happens when the riot turns on each other and they're not good. So in Scandinavian countries, for instance, where there have been recent elections in Norway and in Denmark, the left has been hailing these as proof that social democracy and, and effectively move more socialistic kinds of governments are in fact incredibly popular. Uh, in the United Kingdom, Guardian columnist Stone Jones has frequently pointed to these countries where left-wing governments have won as examples of how to do leftism properly, arguing that left leftism is electorally popular. In fact, the left in Scandinavian countries had its share of the vote fall. It's never had a lower share of the vote. Nevertheless, it's been able to form a government because the political right has splintered into factions which don't work with each other, which stand against each other more than they stand against the left, and therefore are out of power despite the unpopularity of their left-wing alternative. If this kind of thing is allowed to go on, do not be so sure that you will beat Joe Biden if he's still alive, or whoever Joe Biden's successor is at the next election. No matter how badly the economy is doing, no matter how much of an imposition the coronavirus vaccine mandates are, no matter how many of the big issues, no matter how powerless they have been, no matter how pathetic they are in the face of Chinese aggression, um, no matter how woke they are, no matter how many parents they brand domestic extremists, no matter how much wokeness seeps into American politics and American public and civic life at the best of Democrats in the next two, three years, do not bet that you will beat the Democrats at the next election. If you spend all of your time celebrating when other parts of your movement are kicked out or when they've chosen to leave, this is this is not how you win elections. It just isn't. It's, it's, it's a rejection of the very thing that made the conservative movement work in the first place. The Times continues. Their departures also mark the end of a lingering hope among some at Fox News, strange as this is for outsiders to understand, that the channel would at some point return to a pre-Trump reality that was also often hyper-partisan, but that kept some distance from Republican officials. Fox's chairman, Rupert Murdoch, recently deplored Trumpism while acting as though, as Bloomberg's Tim O'Brien noted, uh, he didn't run the company. The reality of Fox and similar institutions is that many of their leaders feel that the tight bond between Mr. Trump and their audiences or constituents leaves them little choice but to go along whatever they believe. Fox employees often speak of this in terms of respecting the audience, and in a polarised age, the greatest opportunities for ratings, money and attention, as politicians and media outlets left and right have demonstrated, are on the extreme edges of American politics. Mr. Carlson became the network's most watched primetime host by playing uh, explicitly to that fringe, and Patriot Purge, his documentary, uh, through insinuations and imagery, explored an alternative history of January the 6th in which violence was a false flag and the consequences being the persecution of conservatives. Mr. Goldberg said that he and Mr. Hayes stayed on at Fox as long as they did because of a sense from conservatives at Fox that after Mr. Trump's defeat, the network would try to recover some of its independence and, as he put it, right the ship. Patriot Purge 
was a sign that people have made peace with this direction of things, and there is no plan, at least, that anyone made me aware of uh, for a course correction, Mr. Goldberg said, writing the ship. He continued, uh, is an academic question. The Patriot pur Purge thing meant, okay, we fit the iceberg now, and I can't do the rationalizations anymore. Um, now, I said that this is not the fault of one side exclusively or the other. I've not seen the Patriot Purge documentary, so I can't comment on the veracity of Jonah Goldberg's criticism of it. But on the broader question of January the 6th, it does seem, from my outside perspective, that both sides have a degree of blame here. There have been some on the right who have been too quick to buy into the mainstream media narrative, which is effectively the Democrat narrative, that this was an attempted coup, that it was an orchestrated violent insurrection, despite the fact that every investigation into it, including by the FBI, has shown that there is, was no orchestration. It was not a coup attempt. And what happened was a group of people were protesting, there were no police, and protests like fire move in the direction of least resistance. There was no resistance to them entering the White House, and so they entered the White House. And we've seen throughout the summer, the last two summers, what happens when the police aren't around during protest movements, because we've had summers of Black Lives Matter rioters invading federal property and setting fire to federal buildings, including federal courthouses, doing effectively the same thing as the January the 6th rioters did, but without the same level of condemnation from the press, um, or it must be said from elements of the Republican Party which are much further to the left than other elements of the Republican Party are. So to the extent that people like Jonah Goldberg went in too hard on the January the 6th rioters by buying into that narrative, they are, of course, in the wrong. However, on the other side, and I know this because this podcast account follows a lot of different types of Republican, a lot of different colours of Republican on Twitter, there are those who go too far the other way, and they dismiss the, January, the significance of the January the 6th rioters entirely, and by so doing, do, in effect, in words, if not in deeds, or in message, if not in intent, excuse what was nevertheless an inexcusable thing. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what mitigating factors there were, no matter what the natural inclination of protest movements when not faced by the police is, and no matter what the comparison between the coverage of January the 6th versus the Black Lives Matter rioters is, no matter how many problems you have with any of that, you should still be able to say the January the 6th riots were objectively a very bad thing indeed, and everybody involved in them, however innocent their motives may in fact have been, should be punished for that. Because you cannot have protest movements of any stripe attacking, invading, and destroying federal buildings, especially not Congress. It's a basic principle of democracy. These institutions are protected against the whims and wills of the mob. They exist to restrict the whims and wills of the mob. And there are some on the Trumpian wing of the party who see the attacks on the January the 6th rioters and they, they see the the disparity in the treatment between January the 6th and between and Black Lives Matter and say, well, therefore, it's not very important that we attack and criticize the rioters on January the 6th because what really matters is the narrative. We have to attack the narrative. And the narrative is is unfairly focusing on January the 6th. This is, this is equivalently wrong. You In a sane world... You can say whatever our disagreements over these matters, whatever wherever we think the, the emphasis should have been placed in coverage, we may think that the Black Lives Matter riots were worse, or we may not. But whatever our disagreements, we should still at least be able to say that invading the Capitol building and vandalizing it is a bad thing and it is wrong. Now, to the extent that Tucker Carlson in his documentary does not come down hard on this particular line, you can see why people like Jonah Goldberg have said... This is straying dangerously close to a kind of populism which we cannot support because it overrides the basic principles 
of democracy. It's something we cannot be seen to accept. And I would agree with them on that point, though I would disagree with them on many other things. But the point of conservative fusionism is that you do put aside these differences. Even if there is no common ground, ideally you find a common ground. But to some degree, a common ground is not really essential. All that you really need is to agree on the fundamental point, which is that however bad we might think our uh, brothers and sisters in the conservative movement are, the left are worse, the Chinese communists are worse. This is just, the, and it's true, and it's sensible. That's what you do. And this, this bifurcation now, this, this fragmentation, this fracturing of the conservative movement, which will be celebrated by both sides as and when they, they score their victories against their otherwise political allies, is a bad idea. The, the only alternative, really, is to say, well, we move now to a three-party system. And we have the mainstream Republicans in a different party to the Trumpian, more populist, national populist, Steve Bannonite-style Republicans. If you want to do that, fine, but don't expect to win any elections, because you won't. Because the Democrat Party won't split in this way. The Democrat Party has actually been, to, somehow, has remained intact despite having elements within it which are so radically opposed to each other. The sort of the centrist type Nancy Pelosi uh, allies and the radical left Democrats in the squad. And to, to, to an extent this has been achieved because the centrists have moved ever further to the left. But they've kept their party together and that's what matters when it comes to the next election when they will run as a unified party. If the Republicans can't do that, the Republicans will lose. The Times continues that Tucker, uh, that uh, Mr. Hayes, uh, found, now find themselves in a group of Americans who think the threat Mr. Trump poses to America's democratic system outweighs many other political differences. Mr. Hayes said that he was particularly concerned about Fox lending support to the idea that there's a domestic war on terror and that it's coming for half the country, he said. That's not true. Particularly disturbing in Patriot Purge, he added, was the imagery of waterboarding and suggestions that half the country is going to be subjected to this kind of treatment. That's the same kind of treatment that the federal government used when it went after Al-Qaeda. Mr. Carson pumped that stuff out into society, and all you need is one person out of every 50,000 people who watch it to believe it's literally the story about what happened, that it's true in all of its particulars and all of its insinuations, and that's truly dangerous in a way that the usual hyperbole you get on a lot of cable news isn't. The Times continues, Mr. Hayes said... He'd been particularly disturbed recently when a man at a conference of the pro-Trump group Turning Point USA asked its leader, when do we get to use the guns? That's a scary moment, Mr. Hayes said, and I think we'd do well to have people who, at the very least, not putting stuff out that would encourage that kind of thing. And Mr. Goldberg, for his part, I said he's been thinking about William F. Buckley, the late founder of National Review, who saw as part of his mission imposing seriousness and conservative arguments and purging some extreme and fringe groups, including the John Birch Society from the right. So this goes back to the point of patriotism. There are some groups which even under fusionism, are deemed to be so outside the mainstream, so radical in their beliefs, and so so well, intolerably radical in their beliefs, that you do have to get rid of them. Now, the, ha the hope has to be that the Trump wing of the party is not that, and I don't believe it is. You know, almost half the country voted for Donald Trump. To, to conflate Donald Trump with that particular faction of the party, or the, the, the radical fringe of the party, and to say that's what Trumpism is, is a mistake on the part of Mr. Goldberg and Mr. Hayes. Um, that's a bad idea, because all you're doing is effectively what the left wants you to do. You are again buying into a lefty narrative, which is that extremists support Trump, therefore all Trump supporters are extremists. And that's, that's not a good idea, because it's not true. And all you'll do is put off a large number of people of the almost half the country who voted for him and brand them extremists when there is no evidence for it so being. I mean, William Buckley, though he did purge the John Birch Society when 
shepherding fusionism into being, um, nevertheless did not assume that all of his political opponents shared the views of the John Birch Society. That's simply obvious. It should be obvious to people. So that's a mistake being made by Mr. Goldberg and Mr. Hayes. However, the Trump movement, broader Trump movement, which shouldn't be tarnished with the, the extremist label, is, I would say, a little bit too comfortable with those who do deserve to be tarnished with that label and ought to do a little bit more to put them down. When people go to conferences and say, when do we get to use the guns? Okay, maybe they're telling a joke. Maybe they're being ironic. But in the current fevered atmosphere of the United States and of the conservative wing of the United States, the conservative population of the United States, I think it probably is important for conference organizers or for speakers at the conference to say, look, maybe you were trying to be funny, but no, we don't do that. We draw the line. We're better than the Democrats. That's not what we do. If you're not going to do that on the Trump wing of the party, again, you're giving ammunition to the likes of Mr. Goldberg, who say the movement is irredeemable, unsalvageable, therefore we have to leave. So again, there is onus on both sides here to moderate their positions. Uh, the Times continues there. Now, uh, that whether it's Patriot Purge uh, or anti-vax stuff, I don't want it in my name, and I want to call it out and criticize it, Mr. Goldberg said. I don't want to feel like I'm betraying a trust that I had by being a Fox News contributor, and I also don't want to be accused of not really pulling the punches. And then this was just an untenable position, uh, tension for me. The Times continues, now their views have put them outside the current Republican mainstream, or at least outside what mainstream right-wing institutions and politicians are willing to say out loud. But while in recent years both appeared occasionally on the evening show Special Report and Fox News Sunday, which the network classifies as news, it's been years since they were welcome on Fox's primetime, and Mr. Goldberg clashed bitterly with the primetime host Sean Hannity in 2016. I have no time for Sean Hannity. I don't like Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity is a hack and a shock jock. Um, and not very good for the movement. Nevertheless, I don't think Sean Hannity should be kicked out of the conservative movement. He's been in the conservative movement for a very long time, and he was in the conservative movement when it was a functioning, singular political entity. So whatever Jonah Goldberg's disagreements with him, again, I think these probably could and should be put aside. As well, the anti-vax label is suspiciously broad. As we've seen, anybody opposed to forced vaccination, mandatory vaccination, is increasingly labelled, including by dictionary websites, as anti-vax. Even if they're vaccinated themselves, this is a bad idea. Again, Mr. Goldberg is perhaps not critiquing the mission creep of those labels as steadfastly as he should be. The Times continues, despite what the former contributors hopes, Fox's programming is hewed to Mr. Trump's line as of its personal moves, personnel moves. The network, for instance, fired the veteran political editor who accurately projected Mr. Biden's victory in the key states of Arizona on election night and has hired the former Trump White House press secretary, uh, Kayleigh, Mc Kayleigh McKenney. Mr. Hayes and Mr. Goldberg are the first members of Fox's payroll to resign over Patriot Purge, but others have signaled their unhappiness. Uh, Geraldo Rivera, uh, Fox News correspondent since 2001, captured the difficulty of internal dissent at the network when he voiced cautious criticism of Mr. Carlson and Patriot Purge to my colleague uh, Michael Grinbaum. I worry that, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but I'm wondering how much it's done to provoke rather than illuminate, he said. Uh, it concludes on-air two programmes with smaller audiences than Mr. Carlson scrambled after a special to rebut the false theories presented in Patriot Purge. Special report called in a former CIA officer on October the 29th to debunk false flag theories, and on Fox News Sunday, Chris Wallace turned the same question over to one of Mr. Trump's few foes in the Republican congressional delegation, Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming. And Mr. Carlson called on Mr. Hayes and Mr. Goldberg's Mr. Sorry, Mr. Carlson called Mr. Hayes's and Mr. Goldberg's resignations. Great news in a telephone interview on Sunday. Our viewers will be grateful. Um, and again, this is where the blame shifts to the other side. So, Liz Cheney is 
currently struggling to remain a Republican, and Chris Hayes is a Democrat. Uh, sorry, Chris Wallace is a Democrat voter, I believe. Um, so you can see both sides here talking past one another. But to the extent it is true that Patriot Purge insinuated that the riots were themselves a false flag, as opposed to elements within them, because we know, we have it on record, that there have been occasions where there have been rallies of the right, almost primarily attended by the media and FBI operatives, who have been attempting to instigate and, and to drum up this kind of thing. We know that that has been going on. Um, but to say that that has been going on is not to say that the whole thing is a false flag. You can be drummed, you can be standing in a, in, a, in a crowd, protesting, rioting even, next to an FBI man telling you to go further. But if you choose to enter the White House, that is your choice, that is your decision. It's not a false flag. And unless Tucker Carlson can provide evidence that the majority of the people who rioted on that day and who damaged federal property and who entered the Houses of Congress, the Capitol building, then it is irresponsible. And I would say, yes, it is grossly irresponsible to imply that the whole thing was a false flag. But having not watched it, maybe that's not what he did. Nevertheless, the two sides are talking past one another. Because if in response to that, you get your Democrat voting host interviewing a woman who is being, uh, they were moved to kick her out of the Republican Party. She is, for instance, serving on the January the 6th commission, I believe. Um, then you're just giving ammunition to your opponents within the party. You say, well, of course, you're going to say that because you're all effectively Democrats, or at least you are rhinos, Republicans in name only, a label Donald Trump has been pushing and perhaps shouldn't have been. But then again, for Tucker Carlson to say that Goldberg and Hayes' resignation is great news is not good. None of this is good. Get your act together, Republican Party, or settle down for a very, very long and unhappy period of left-wing political dominance. That's the choice you've got.